this is the year that we bring back Art Deco. Last year, we doesn't count. This year, we, we bring Art Deco back. Now we can get on it. <laughs> We're speaking it into existence, damn it. We're really on that Art Deco yeah. kick, I guess, from... When was Art Deco a thing, right. exactly? Was that like the 60s, 70s? The 20s. 20s? 1920s. Oh, <laughs> 60s <Yeah>. or 70s? <laughs> that was, what? I don't really... Interior no, design man, that's is not a... my passion. <laughs> Hello and welcome to... Sweet, oh. let's do it. <laughs> no! no! Shit! Okay. It's okay. All right. Red, it has been <laughs> not even a second. <laughs> you better... Uh, okay. We barely even made it into the beginning of this podcast. A very special podcast. This is the first ever bonus episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. Uh, I am Indigo, your local podcast cryptid slash producer, and I am joined today by Red and Blue, who usually do this part, but since we're all on camera, we thought we'd switch it up. This podcast is going to be our chance to bring 2020 to a close and welcome in 2021. So without further ado, oh my god, it's over. (laughs) Oh, thank god. Yay. Good lord. I swear, this year has simultaneously taken, like, no time at all. It's like I'm still mentally back in March, but also mm-hmm. it's like I've aged 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's like March and November were each half a year, and then April to October were like, boom, got right through it. And then November took forever, and December is like, just, just, just a little, little more, a little more. Okay, thank God it's done. Okay, fine. <laughs> so it's just been so good to... To not, and it's like with 2016, everyone said, oh, like, what a bad year. A few celebrities died. It's like, no, 2020 was actually a very, very bad year. And it's not going to just instantly be better now that it's 2021, but like, shit, man, it's going to be a little better. (laughs) (laughs) At minimum, we won't be in 2020 anymore. Like, you got to take the little victories in life. Okay. This is the year that we bring back Art Deco. Last year, we, doesn't count. This year, we we bring Art Deco back. Now we can get on it. We're speaking it into existence, damn it. We're really on that Art Deco yeah. kick, I guess, from... When was Art Deco a thing, right. exactly? Was that, like, the 60s, 70s? The 20s! 20s? The 1920s. Oh, 60s <laughs> or yeah. 70s? That way. What? I don't really... Interior no, design man, that's is not a... my passion. Interior? This is the... This is architecture. <laughs> mm. Oh, this is a shit show in every sense of the word. Uh, it wouldn't be the OS but, pod um, otherwise. Yeah, but uh, that's why we did those designs, the the Roaring Twenties 2 Electric Boogaloo, yeah. followed by the, the same design, but with different text. Uh, yeah, so, disappointed but not surprised. Yeah, that's the one. And boy, that became uh, Ooh, prophetic with add time. Add that to the uh, things <laughs> yeah. that did not age well meme page right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, today anyway, we're going to be... Year. What a time. <laughs> yeah, new year. Um, today we're going to be going, yeah. <laughs> going through... Some of our favorites from this year, some of your favorites from this year, uh, and just kind of wrapping up all that we've done and looking forward to what's coming next. Usually on the podcast, we talk about the two most recent videos, and we will next week when a regular episode comes out. But this time around, we're going to hit some of those Oscar-nominated categories of OSP video in our very own award show uh, with no awards except for you getting to watch this on Friday (laughs) instead of a Wednesday in audio-only form. Uh, we also get to rep yeah. our merch, which I'm very excited to show yes. off oh, yeah. in person. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, behold, the OS Podcast mug. Uh, it does not come with the delicious hot chocolate that I've put in it, but it's vastly improved 
by its addition. That's extra. You have to find like the <laughs> secret Redbubble page where it just ships you a hot cocoa bomb kit and then you can just uh, like make some hot milk, drop it in, and then you're set. I have uh, our wonderful uh, red and blue uh, Shadows of Myth and Shadows of History mugs. They are probably one of the favorite merch items that we've ever made uh, for yeah. this channel and they're fantastic. I've got I've got tea in the blue one here and then I've got some water in the red one over here. So uh, I, I am also... set. For life. I also have here the Time Heist design, which looks quite cool on a tank top, but I did not account for the existence of boobs when I designed it, mm. so it's a little bit squished in places. Uh, but there. that's really, that's on me, really, in every sense <laughs> of the word. Um, and I also brought the pins that we've done because I think these things are really cute, but I thought it would be confusing if I wore them on top of the Time Heist design. What with them being similarly small and colorful. Yeah, we don't want to start adding in more characters to the Time Heist. I mean, who knows? Maybe in the Time Heist God, 3, no. but... We'll get into that later. <laughs> Time Heist 3, Valhalla. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I see you've chosen the naming convention of every Viking video game ever. Um, the two, well, the we two have possible to to words are now. Ragnarok and Valhalla. Those are the only options you can pick from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. I think we do Valhalla first, and then Time Heist 4 is Ragnarok. And then Time yeah. Heist 5, we just call Time Heist again, because at this point, it's been enough time that we can reboot it with a younger, hotter cast. It's uh. a um, reboot. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. In Time Heist Five, they go back to the first movie and then reset the literally they like they pull the days of future past and reset the timeline by going back to the earlier movie. But they bring in the actor who played, uh, I believe it was Anne Hathaway playing everybody. They bring in old Anne Hathaway and she's like playing like actual Anne Hathaway. Uh, <laughs> it's like an old Spock situation from the from the the J.J. Abrams exactly. Star Trek movies. Exactly. Yeah, that's the stuff. Well, we I also are... have this nifty bronze knife. It's not from our merch, but uh, Blue got it for me a couple of years ago, Aww. and I just think it's really neat. So yeah, I got it from Athens. Uh... Yes. Yeah. It's probably the coolest thing I own. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we're taking this opportunity I, in the video format to yeah. show it off. <laughs> Story. Yes, exactly. I, like a like a beauty guru. Like, and here we have this beautiful bronze mm -hmm. replica. It's uh, they they put the, they put the hand behind it, right? It's like yeah. so they can show off the like. Yeah. Label. So uh, so works. it autofocuses. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. I don't watch yeah. like makeup YouTube because I don't wear makeup, so <laughs> I don't know how any of this works. Amazing. Well, we. I don't know. I'm claiming expertise outside my space. <laughs> We've already anyway. jumped wildly ahead to the time heist, so we're gonna bring it right back to the beginning of the year. And our first category for the podcast, these are our OSP's top picks, our favorite videos for both red and blue from this year. If I could get a drum roll, please, that I'm going to have to add in post anyway so nobody actually hit your desk. Oh. Our winners were blue's choice of Anna Komina and red's choice of the newest Journey to the West episode. Ta -da. Hell yeah. Two fantastic videos <laughs> at opposite ends uh, of the yearly calendar. <laughs> yeah, wow. February and December. God, looking back at like the earliest videos we'd done this year, I was like, that was this year? We yeah, were so young. Seriously. Yeah, if no, only they nuts. knew. Yeah. <laughs> so so young, so innocent. Um so, but yeah, yeah. Um how about we start with Anna Kamina because or Anna the one that only you can pronounce. Uh, <laughs> Anna since Kamina, you did it first. Technically, I, I, I kind of, I wouldn't say I boofed it, but uh, I, I played a little <laughs> fast and loose on the spelling because uh, Anna Komnena with an A is the Latinization, which is usually spelled with a C, but spelling Greek words with a C is dumb at people who spell Cronus with a C. Bad. Um, but then I like the, the, the sound of Komnena instead of Komnini, which is like, it's okay. 
long story. I, I kind of cheated on the way that I spelled that name. It's fine. Um, but I, I had a lot of fun with that video because it's obviously, you know, it's the History Maker series, which is is cool because it's kind of the thing that really only exists on, on OSP. Like, we have, you know, um, other channels do... Um, uh, historical content, uh, other channels do, like, you know, snarky content, um, obviously not as well, uh, <laughs> but uh, I think the, the thing that, at least in, in, in my corner of the channel, that I feel like sets me apart is specifically the focus on, like, the people who wrote this stuff down, so that's part of why I love the History Maker series so much, and Anacomena, in addition to being, like, Byzantine, yeah, um, was, I, I felt like a really great culmination of a lot of different things, because she's, uh, the first woman historian, depending on, on, on how you slice it, which is just really, really cool. Um, oh, yeah. And then it's also a great example of, like, what Byzantine literary culture could have been if they used all of the ingredients that they that they had and all of the, the components that were part of the, like, umbrella of Greco-Roman Christian culture. It's like, this yeah. is what we could have had all along, but only Anna figured it out. <laughs> so uh, I just thought that was really cool, and, and I had a lot of fun with yeah. uh, with making that video. And I, I was watching back a lot of these yesterday, and I'm like, damn, that video is really, really good. Um, like, man. So, yeah. yeah. That was also, I think, yeah. one of the... No, Anna Comena... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, like, just the History Maker series overall, I think you're right. It's a really good um, addition to the channel because it's like, this is an angle of history that people tend to ignore or pretend like it isn't mm -hmm. there. Like, I mean, I, I talked about this the last time we did a regular episode of the podcast, the idea that, uh, like, a lot of historians think of themselves as vessels through which history flows without recognizing that they are people with their own personal experiences and biases. Mm -hmm. And if they don't acknowledge those, they still get reflected yeah. in their work. But we can't parse them out as easily and that that's a huge pain in the yeah. butt so when you do this deep dive acknowledgement of like here's this historian here was their life and their experience and their work almost takes kind of a backseat to that i think that is such a good angle of exploration and i'm really glad that you branched yeah. out into it thank yeah. you i, I think it, with anna Komnena, specifically one of the videos where i talk about how her work is problematic um because obviously a lot of the people whose work we cover is in some way very biased and in some ways a problematic historical source but um, in doing my research I came across like some other historical discourse about Anna Komnena, which is like the ways in which she is problematic are actually historically helpful because she has very clear biases she's a Byzantine princess who thinks the Crusaders are dummies I'm not saying I disagree with her, but the fact that she gives us enough information to unpack not only that those biases exist but also that they're they're present and and why they are there it gives us more information to draw from even if we do end up you know having some things obscured that's okay because what we can glean from those biases knowing that they're there is more like marginally important for understanding the work and the culture than if it was like a pristine perfect no no blemishes whatsoever you know work of history because those are um, basically what textbooks are like and they're boring and you don't really learn all that much from them because there's no soul in them there's no heart oh, there's yeah. no anything it's just dull printed words so anyway yeah long story I really like this series and I, I, I feel like uh, this was just my favorite of my favorite series this year so yeah definitely um, and on my end uh, Journey to the West uh, <laughs> by far the most popular thing I've ever made uh, and honestly like the thing is Obviously, the quality of our videos about stuff is often kind of based on how good the original thing is. Uh, I there's some, there's some videos I'll talk about later in this superlatives list that um, 
that I'm maybe not 100% happy with just because I didn't like the book they were based on. Whereas with Journey to the West, it's like, no, this shit straight up slaps. Everybody knows it. This book <laughs> rules. Uh, yeah. It's really fun. And I am so happy. Like, there are so many people in the comments who are like, what translations of this would you recommend? Mm -hmm. uh, for the record, the one by Anthony C.U. is the best one. It's the most comprehensive. It retains the poetry and it's really good so get that one uh but, but like the only when you get a really good translation is just oh, kiss. perfect yeah yeah but it's like the people who who get the book because they liked the video and then continue to watch the videos it's like yeah. that that's so uh i don't know that that's just really it makes me get, get all warm and fuzzy inside because yeah. it's like on the one hand i'm getting people invested in these books because they are so good and Outside of, like, I mean, not outside, sorry. In, like, Western literature, they're almost completely glossed over. Um, because, yeah. you know, we, we've got, oh, we've got the Iliad, we've got the Odyssey, we've got Dante and stuff. And it's like, yeah, that's fine, that's all well and good. But this this book is so influential, people are still yeah. being like, wait, that was a reference to Journey to the West? It's like, yeah, no, trust me, like, almost all yeah. of the tropes that you know from anime, always they're all from been. Journey to the West. <laughs> yeah, always has been, man. Yeah. Uh, it's I was reading through that and I was like, that's why there are so many... Yeah, but it's like, that's why there are so many flamethrowing fans in anime? What? Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that's all That's all a total aggression. But the point is, like, those books are really good, and they stand on their own, and they, they really do hold up in a lot of ways. Just they're, It's like an ensemble cast, character-driven, episodic, Monster of the Week narrative. It's perfect. It's like if you pitched that to a TV producer now, they'd be like, yeah, fund it. Um, <laughs> and just, yeah. you know, just animating it. Obviously, I, I put a lot of work into the drawings, and I, I like characterizing the characters the way I do but most of it is just from the book and the people who read the book are like yeah that's how it happened who knew right and then it's just, I don't know there's something very yeah. rewarding about about people looking into the original because of my summary and then mm -hmm. also still watching the summary after that yeah because uh you know it's I, I want to do it justice and it, it seems like I, I am and that that feels really nice yeah, it's really the, best yeah. the thing I wanted to say was that what what I loved seeing specifically like last week with it having been Christmas um was mm. I'm always kind of curious to see like when people like tweet at us and like post on the subreddit like oh look I got this like OSP thing whether it's like pins or merch or whatever but what really made me feel so good this year was seeing so many people who posted the books they got because of yes. OSP videos that inspired them this year. I saw a lot of uh, a lot of Virgil, a um, couple Iliads and Odysseys, whole bunch of Journey to the Wests. That was just the coolest thing to see, like, obviously, you know, the whole premise of, of our channel is like, you know, show up because you need to pass a test and stay because learning is fun. Um, <laughs> and, you know, our, our works are summaries. They're entry points by design. They're not the whole thing. It is... 10 minutes, yeah. not a lot. People spend their whole lives on every single video topic that we have. It's, it's insane how much yeah. depth there is out there. So seeing people take our work as like, oh, that's so cool. I'm going to look into that. I'm going to like make that the thing that I read this year is just so rewarding to see happening. So especially like with it being Christmas and getting so many tweets and, and, and messages in various places about it, that was really, really rewarding to see. And Journey right. to the West is just the prime example because we get emails like on a monthly basis asking what translation we use. So it's like, yes, go get it. Exactly. Read it. <laughs> because, you know, our channel is, we never wanted to be a substitute for reading the original book. You know, like, that, I think that sometimes that's kind of what people are looking for when they look up a summary of a book because it's like, I, I have my test in eight hours and I haven't read it yet. So tell me what happens. It's like, that's, you know, I, I respect that. I was also in high school once. Um, but the point is not to substitute for the book. The point is to provide an angle of approach that makes the book interesting and, and palatable because I know better than most people how hard it is to get through your average classical text. Um, 
and yeah. having a having an angle of approach, a, a point of entry that basically gives you, okay, I know. I have basically a roadmap of what's going to happen, and somebody told me that this part was funny, and looking at it, yeah, it is. Whereas, you know, if you if you approach it in the way that, for example, your standard dry academic context would make you approach it, it's like, you must analyze this book and come exclusively to the conclusions that I, your teacher, have approved. <laughs> and it's like, well, now yeah. I'm already bored, and I haven't even started reading it yet. Yes. Um, so yeah, I, I'm really glad. Like Journey to the West is playing out exactly like I wanted it to. It's getting more people interested in the story, analyzing the space of media it influenced in terms of its influence, which is just so fun to me. Uh, and still watching the videos, which is just like icing at this point. Uh, so that's uh, that's yeah. my thoughts on that. I, um, it sounds yeah. like we really had two favorites here that kind of encompass you guys' attitudes on approaching a lot of these um, texts and yeah. a lot of like the history yeah. that you're reading. And I think it's really interesting kind of angle that you've taken here in this section and also two very fun videos. Anna Komnina was, I think, either yes. the first or second video I edited for Blue, so that one is a lot of it nostalgia. Was, it was the second. <laughs> the second, uh, yeah. Yeah, the oh, first one was, was Byzantine's part two, mm, and then you go. had Anna Komnina. And I think, um, actually, there was, um, in between them was uh, Valentine's Day yes. couples, which had Justinian and Theodora. So the first three videos <laughs> you edited was just Byzantines, Byzantines, Byzantines. Byzantines all the way through, and Oops, I all still cannot say yeah. Komnina, right, for the save my life. Komnina. Um, Komnina. <laughs> uh, but moving on, you know, we had your favorites, but we also had a lot of videos that the fans really loved. So this next category is our yeah. fan favorites. These were the most viewed videos of the year. Your most viewed video was Failed Assassins and Red with Stranger in a Strange Land. Mm. What a time. <laughs> that sure was a thing Naturally, that uh, the thing with this category is that it's going to skew towards the earlier videos of the year just because they've been up for longer. So mm -hmm. naturally, yeah. those ones will, yes. will tend to rake in more. But Failed Assassins was like, you know, dead middle of summer. So it's not like it was just the January video naturally <laughs> takes it. Um, mm -hmm. But those were definitely... Uh, for very different reasons, uh, <laughs> um, uh, our most popular yeah. videos of the year. This is the first time this year that I ever hit trending, and then basically three history hijinks in a row were like boom, boom, boom. So that yeah. was really fun for me. Uh, and and Plague, or, no, sorry, skipping ahead. Uh, <laughs> and and Tales Assassins was, uh, was the one that I was like, oh, people really like this series. People really like this history hijinks business. Uh, so that was uh, a little bit of a, um, a a pleasant surprise that that it did as well as it did because it was like I'm just kind of throwing three random ass stories together and then it, two out of three I quit and just did a Venice one instead of actually researching something new because yeah. I was mm -hmm. like Rasputin no Castro oh he's been <laughs> overdone I'll just go to Venice it's fine yeah, yeah. I feel um, like, so uh, I feel like my worst instincts were rewarded <laughs> the hijinks I feel like we get to like really mess around with a lot which is why they always end up kind of being very funny in a lot of ways um, yeah it's not as like structured there's it's more of these little vignettes so it's yeah. a lot easier to just throw like a, a quick clip or a meme in there than it is with some of the more serious history yeah. videos yeah, with, with the exception of uh, the plague and yes. the uh, Greek wise guys, there's no actual narrative through line in the hijinks. It's just like story, 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 which lends itself to like being under one theme, which lends itself to just being, we're just joking around. We're just having fun. I'm just not trying to accomplish in. anything in this video. <laughs> yeah. We're just having a good time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just pure history memes. All the way. Good stuff. Um yeah, no, that one went over really well. I remember uh, we were we were kind of talking about that. It was a while ago, so I don't quite remember the details, but I know there were like a few standard 
like listicle failed assassinations that you were trying to steer clear of because you were like, I don't want this to be like, you know, top 10 assassins in history. I, w- yeah. I want this to be like, I want this to be accurate. I want this to be fun and new. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. I want this to be like, as of yet, untreaded territory. Like people knew vaguely about, you know, the gunpowder plot and you know, bonfire night and all that, but no one knows that it only failed because they were idiots. <laughs> so that's what I wanted to do. It's like, well, it's oh, gotten so glamorized, yeah. you know, yeah. it's with V for Vendetta and stuff. Yeah. Everyone's like, remember, remember. It's like, yeah, remember then those idiots got themselves John arrested Johnson in the worst plot in history. At place. You know, that iconic historical I, figure. Yeah. I, I'm surprised, like, Job at Place became my biggest joke of the year. <laughs> I'm so happy. I, it's such a good for, meme. For me, my favorite joke in that video was uh, he died as he lived, not dying of poison. <laughs> <laughs> and I corpsed in the line in the video, which I, I felt like was... Uh, but anyway, anyway, uh, so that was a, a, a wonderful experience uh, w- from which I have no regrets. Red, tell us about um, the hellscape that was Stranger in a Strange Land. <laughs> Right. Okay. Hard so, <laughs> for context, um, that video was requested by one of our longtime patrons. That was a, a thing we were doing before. We we kind of discontinued it, not because of this, <laughs> um, but it, it it factored into the decision making. Um, Stranger in a Strange Land is a very very odd book uh, because Robert A. Heinlein was a very odd person. Uh, those two things often go hand in hand when you have people writing books about their secret polyamorous fantasies. Um, the, th- the thing is, I, I feel like because of the tone I took in that video, a lot of people think that I was just ripping that book apart because I am mean. <laughs> I'm a mean, mean uh, critic person. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to name names, but somebody on Twitter when I was talking about like bad faith media criticism was like, oh, you don't like it when people rip apart things, but what did you do to Stranger in a Strange Land? And I was like, those aren't comparable. That book was ass. <laughs> I wanted to like it. I don't enjoy doing things that I don't enjoy. <laughs> I, I wanted that book to be interesting and good. And like Heinlein is one of the greats. He's one of the big names in like classic sci-fi. So I was like, wow, I've heard so much about that this book exists. Strange that I don't know the plot going into it. And then I started reading it and I was like, oh yeah, okay, cool. World building, mission to Mars. Okay, polyamorous relationship. That's fine, whatever. Little space baby. Okay, that's cool. Life on Mars. That's neat. And then it was like, hmm, you know what? I don't know how I feel about the fact that this female protagonist just made a date rape joke. And uh, I don't like how two pages later, (laughs) she then claimed that nine out of 10 times when a woman gets raped, it's because she deserves it. (laughs) And I was like, my goodness, Heinlein, methinks perhaps you're actually kind of a terrible human being. And like that, I don't think I put that in the video because I was reading it and I was like, oh God, no. Um, mm-hmm. And at that point, it's like putting that in the summary is, I mean, that almost feels like bullying the guy because <laughs> it's like, yeah, he said this terrible, terrible thing and he put it in the mouth of his female lead. And I think that was a bad thing, but it's not really plot relevant so bringing it up feels unnecessary. <laughs> um, yeah, you you could have done a lot more quote dropping to like specifically just like hammer home how much of a grade A garbage human being Heinlein was, and you I, showed yeah. very admirable restraint in not doing that. And for the most part, you let his own words pretty much speak for itself. Like the deep thoughts with Heinlein come across <laughs> as like, oh, you're strawmanning him. No, if anything, you're you're just generously paraphrasing. I mean, yeah, like generously basically to him. halfway through my notes, I was like, I have to figure out a segment because I need to bring up 
how often Heinlein breaks his own narrative to just clearly dump his own perspective on life into this book. Like, plenty of people were doing that in classic sci-fi. Like, I mean, okay, there's this underpinning in all of sci-fi, which is dreaming of the future. It's the question of what will our future look like and what should it look like? Which means, of course, they end up waxing philosophical. Of course, they end up saying, like, their own ideals and where they think humanity should go from here. That that makes sense. That's what I want to see. Uh, but this means that Heinlein does it really unsubtly <laughs> in his book. He'll be like in the middle of an explanation of genuinely cool sci-fi world building and like alien stuff and uh, life on other planets and, and space travel and the way that, that, uh, that Michael's powers work. And then he'll be like, by the way, <laughs> this female villain is like that because her dad wanted a son. And I was like, okay, that's okay. Yep. Skipping through yeah. the rest of this. I don't need well, to see I it. To, to, to somewhat turn this conversation around a little bit, this was for as much of a uh, a, a monumental, unpleasant, uh, monumentally unpleasant experience as it was for you. This was our most viewed video of the year. Yeah, Do you I mean, think that just the like pure raw fountain of like snark and sarcasm that this video was contributed to that because i know you were talking about like bad faith criticism there is naturally mm -hmm. a tendency on the internet for people to gravitate to videos that beat down on something else whether justifiably you know with yeah. you know uh with receipts and with timestamps <laughs> and quotes or yeah. just someone who's going on a rant with that's completely off their rocker um that is by and large much more popular than videos of praise. Uh, so mm. that is the thing that a lot of content creators find themselves doing is negativity sells. That's how the entire news industry works. Um, oh, yeah, do you feel is. like there's anything specific to the Stranger in a Strange Land video beyond the fact that it was just so sarcastic and so snarky and so derisive at this garbage book um, that, that made it so entertaining for the audience? I'm not sure. I mean... I think, among other things, the video was a bit longer than average, uh, and I did put a lot of work into the visuals. Um, I yeah. I really wanted to I wanted to do this book justice for all that that entailed, because um, I I really don't want to I don't like tearing things apart. I I like understanding how they work. I mean, um, on our Twitter, I pretty regularly at this point do what I call bad movie nights, where somebody will recommend a bad movie to me, and I will watch it and live tweet my thoughts. Uh, and uh, big thanks to all of you people who still follow us on Twitter, even though <laughs> this means I'm clogging your timelines once a week with, oh God, why are there Dutch angles everywhere? You know, that whole thing. Oh, um, yes, the Dutch. But I, honestly, I, I started doing that because I there are a lot of movies that I like that are pretty unilaterally panned by critics. Like everyone's like, yeah, that's a bad movie. And I'm like, well, I had a good time. So how bad could it really be? Yeah. And so I, I'm like, okay, well, recommend a bad movie to me. I'll watch it and I'll see if I actually think it's bad. I'll, I'll see what does and doesn't work about it. And if the things that don't work are deal breakers. Um, Stranger in a Strange Land is a bad book. Unfortunately, I didn't want it to be, and I didn't want to come to that conclusion. And once I did come to that conclusion, I was like, I still got to make a video about it because a patron requested it. I, I literally have no choice in this. Um, and ultimately what I ended up doing was I was really trying to be like, okay, let's give this thing a fair shake. Let's, let's, I have thoughts on this book. I have thoughts on things in this book that are deal breakers for finding the rest of it good, but let's try and lay it out as even handedly as possible. So, you know, let's, let's talk about the, the stuff that I think is cool. Let's talk about the world building and the, the future social structures and stuff. 
and then let's not cover up the parts that I think are gross or weird. Uh, and that's a that's a hard reflex for me to to suppress. I I often end up kind of sanitizing the things I talk about for humor purposes or to because otherwise I feel like I need to get serious about the subject and that can kind mm -hmm. of diminish from the comedy. I uh, th there's a video coming out in the next couple months that I kind of deal with this more uh, in. But in this specific case, I was like, I want to give this thing a fair shake. Otherwise, I would be like, this is dumb and just not talk about it. But I have yeah. to talk about it. So if I'm going to talk about it, I'm going to try and be as even-handed about this mm. as I can. I'm not mm. going to apologize for Heinlein or cover up the parts that I think are stupid and bad. I'm not his editor and I'm not his PR guy, but I am also not just here to be like, you know, going through and being like, Oh, this uh, this weird future society thing is gross, and I don't like it. Ding! Like that's not the point. You know, th yeah. that was never oh. the point. It's right. it's meant to be a summary, which means I have to represent it yeah. fairly. Yeah. Um, and I think people like it because, on some level, a lot of them kind of came into this the same way I did. And I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to run long, <laughs> but it's basically just like. A lot of people come into this going like, oh yeah, I've heard of this author, he's one of the greats, and I've heard of this book title. I haven't read it, but I've heard yeah. of it, because you know, Stranger Strange Land, it's like, it's one of those titles that you just know about. Yeah, and then you watch it and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> and it's just so fun to me, because it's like, that was my reaction too, guys, I know. But people were like, it can't yeah. be that weird. But wait, what was that about a sex cult? And then they, you know, a lot of the comments were like, first half, oh yeah, not bad. Second half, hmm. Or, you know, and just the, the they had like, us in the first you, half, not gonna lie. You prime that in the very first lines of the video. It's like, this is a book where this is the conclusion point that we're going to. And then even still, even when you say that, the very first line, it's like Hamilton is like, yeah, he fucking mm -hmm. dies at the end, dog. Um, even yep. with that, <laughs> people are still, like, following along with the world building of Mars and all this stuff with Michael. And then it just... Everything that Heinlein does to craft an interesting world that got him to where he was is yeah. systematically undone by his deliberate Cleo. Oh. Don't knock my shit off the shelf. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Cleo's the other side of the apartment just bapping things over. There is, there, the no, she, she's way out of frame. Oh, no. There, there oh. is one small item on the shelf that she just keeps knocking over. It's a box with basically nothing in it, and she's just like, boop. Every anyway, cat stream. Um, yeah, but beautiful. Absolutely. Even though, Red, even though you, you go to, like, such lengths of priming the audience, you let Heinlein's, you know, mm -hmm. frustrating idiocy and gratuitously gross opinions be his own undoing without you putting words in his mouth. Yeah, so I, you get to see yeah. why people like it and you see why it is terrible. I think a really big part <laughs> yeah, of these... that was really what I was going for. Yeah, of these two videos is that you guys have both had a really uh, strong presentation of topics that might be either a little hard to compile or maybe not necessarily yeah. your favorite text in the world. Um, and that's mm. kind of really shows through <laughs> and just how much people still resonated with them later on. These are some of the things that we've seen quoted in the most in live stream comment sections and the like. And that's for a reason. Yeah. Your presentation of the information was catchy and it stuck with people. But you guys didn't just... I'm glad. <laughs> you didn't just make uh, your regular content throughout the year OSP puts out. We do live streams, the podcast... Uh, and a bunch of extra bonus videos throughout the year. So this next category yeah. is our fan favorite, most viewed of the bonus content. <laughs> the Divine OSP 3. Woo! Woo. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, just for, for context, um, we I would do like these occasional little bonus videos where I would take audio from vines and i would animate over them with 
characters we always covered because it's funny and I, I miss Vine dearly. Uh, and Cleo, nothing has. Scratching. Sorry, Cleo's scratching the couch. <laughs> All is forgiven. It's Cleo. Um, so yeah, uh, the uh, the Divine's OSP ones were basically me giving myself free reign to just do anything we'd ever touched on on the channel. Because like I started with, I think it was Divine Greek Gods, and then mm -hmm. Norse Gods, and then Egyptian Gods. Yeah. It, it's fine, but sometimes like it, it's kind of hard to think of funny animatics over Vine audio. Like you, you yeah. really need to like be listening to the Vine and be like, oh yeah, it'll be this, and then or or you'll be listening to Vine and be like, I could make this work with Hamlet or something, but. It's kind of hard to do a minute's worth of those all in one pantheon. Mm. So making it Divine OSP gives me a lot more freedom. And it's just yeah. like, oh, yeah, this one works for Hamlet. This one I can do for, like, um, Eros and Psyche. This one I might do with Odin and Loki. I don't know. But, yeah. So that was the notion. And I'm glad it went over well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everyone we, we loves some, Vine compilations. Some, we had some fun bonus content uh, on the channel. This was, I think, the only uh, Divines that we did this year. Mm -hmm. um, but we also we had other had, stuff going on. Uh, in addition to a couple other things, we had the uh, animateds, which were yes. really fun, and I wanted to talk about oh, those, even though technically them. they weren't the most viewed. Um, <laughs> yes. the, the Tsushima animated, um, which was uh, the result of a, a, a Herculean uh, editing effort on the part of Indigo from taking five streams worth at about three hours apiece and mm. chopping that down to five minutes uh, for, for Red to animate. Yeah. Um, that was fun. really fun. And then the Journey one, which was uh, only, you know, two hours was a lot easier to work with but those are really fun because you know the live streams are, are are great for us we have a lot of fun we we did a lot of like you know charity stuff uh, uh this year raising like some sixty thousand dollars between us and our community just via live streams which is insane right. that um, was really good. but obviously it's not the most um easy part of our channel to get into because they are multiple hours long and the frame rate is trash uh <laughs> we we should have a fix for that this year i i, I did a complete reset and, and got new software maybe we'll be better at yes. this year um but it, it, it's it's great because it is an opportunity for people who don't want to go through all of that to get the best bits that are the most you know meme worthy most quotable the parts that would naturally stick around as part of like the the extended osp lore um <laughs> and and get those just distilled into fun little animatics uh, and it's telling that so many of them wind up on like D and D memes or, or whatever. I was gonna but say, just so fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they really like taking screenshots from our stuff. Oh yeah. Specifically, uh, hello human. Uh, do you also enjoy having skin today or, or whatever it was? <laughs> and, uh, uh, that shows up a lot. Humans. And OSP yeah. condone oh, yeah. sending hello a message. Humans. I've seen that one pop up yeah. several <laughs> places. <laughs> that one was yeah. so. That one was pure gold. So like fun. periodically, when I was drawing it, I'd just be like, <laughs> so no, it's yeah, great. I did so very similar experience editing, watching through the streams because I would. I would. What I, way I would do it was I would watch the stream when you guys were doing it live and take notes, and then watch the stream again in post to like pull moments. Mm -hmm. And there was Ooh. always, the, like, we'd get to segments where I'm like, ah, yes, I remember this joke. It's very funny. Or we get to segments where you guys would roast podcasts, and that's when I would switch over to Microsoft <laughs> Word and continue writing the podcast treatment. <laughs> oh, no. Oops. <laughs> what fools we are now. Yeah, exactly. And it, to think that we ever trash podcasts, because imagine being able to, like, mess up and then re-record a bit <laughs> without having hundreds of people there to watch you fail as your frame rate steadily drifts to nothing. Uh, can't have a bad frame rate if you don't have a frame rate at all. Bingo. <laughs> Live streams Although. were really stressful for me when we started because I was like, oh gosh, we're going to be live. I mean, I hope we don't mess up. And now I'm just kind of like, ah, whatever. <laughs> 12 frames per second is better than what we've been getting. Yep. <laughs> so uh, yeah. exposure therapy. That's a lot of but fun. But hopefully uh, we'll, we'll have a, a much uh, 
neater stream presentation for you all this year because I, I took basically uh, two weeks at the end of the year entirely off, but the second week of December after I finished my Ibn Khaldun video, I'm like, okay, this week I'm just going to do channel errands and just <laughs> figure out all the things that we've been like putting off for, for the year because it takes too long. One of those was getting the new stream set up, so I, I hope that that ends up being uh, a fun thing for everybody uh, yep. to look forward to in 2021. Yeah, well, that's... We've got some ideas for things we could stream. It could be very interesting. Figuring that out. Hang around. Leo is is in the vicinity, but she's not quite. Uh, By the end of this podcast, we gotta lure her over. We gotta get that cat meow. <laughs> come here, come here, Quill. Come here, Say hi. Say hi to your legions of adoring fans. Hello, it's me, Quill. Oh, hi, Cleo. Hello, wave, wave, wave to your friends. Okay, all right, Cleo wants to leave. Bye, Cleo. Your cat Beautiful. ruined me. Fantastic. Um, it needed to happen once. I'm glad it, it happened. It had to happen. <laughs> this is going to be rough for the audio-only listeners, though. No. It's like, there was a cat? <laughs> no! <laughs> You'll just have to watch the YouTube version of this whenever you get to that part of the audio-only. Yeah. Um, exactly. All right, yeah, now baby. to re-scoot my chair so that I'm about where I was before in frame. <laughs> Readjust. Good idea. Realign. Everyone's back. Yeah. Amazing. Make sure I've got my Venetian flag on, on one side and my Course of Empire paintings on the other side. You've got to be Perfectly very on brand. My head. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's a much classier backdrop than my uh, soundproofing <laughs> foam and uh, assorted plushies. It's okay. I'm in my <laughs> childhood oh, bedroom. So <laughs> what a fun and thrilling locale. Um, well, we've had a lot of a lot of challenges in 2020, um, both with stream frame rates and otherwise. Need not get into the Backstreet Boys reunion tour. This next category are the videos that we considered our biggest challenges for the year. You may recognize one of them, mm. and hopefully you recognize both of them, because ideally you watched it and enjoyed both of them. But... Blue's most challenging video was the Cold War, and Red's was shocking. Stranger in a strange land. Yep, we're back, I'm baby. I'm a predictable <laughs> bitch this year. <laughs> I mean, I already yeah. basically lamented all of my grievances about Stranger in a Strange Land. Um, yeah. I just want challenge-wise, I think the biggest thing, real quick, was mm -hmm. just that I didn't like the book. I didn't like the characters. Drawing them was tiring because I didn't like them. Like. Uh, with Journey to the West, a lot of people were like, I can really tell you like these characters because they're so fun and the way you draw them is so full of life. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But with Stranger to Strange Land, it was like, I have to make this video. <laughs> so it's when work I have like work. to draw. Yeah. I When I was first reading it, I was thinking through because it's like, you know, after a certain point in the book, every single main character is naked. And I was like, how am I going to deal with this <laughs> visually? <laughs> Um, there was a period of time where I was thinking of uh, photoshopping ugly Christmas sweaters over everybody, but I figured that would be more trouble than just photoshopping Heinlein's face over all the naughty bits and calling it a day. I mean, again, yeah. your presentation of the information made it infinitely more enjoyable to get through, so I think that was a wise <laughs> choice in the end. A way to get over that challenge, I'm, if I'm you glad. Will. Yeah. I'm glad it worked out, but ooh, it was a trial. I, it was definitely a experience that I feel like lots of our viewers share because usually we are dealing with with fields that both of us very much enjoy whether it's mm. it's it's books or myths or folklore or media or history um which was a fairly recent development for me in, in the grand scheme of things uh, yeah. <laughs> coming part way through uh, through college but anyway um i feel like this was definitely an example in in mind with the cold war is too of just dealing with something that we fundamentally do not on almost any level enjoy mm. and just having to get through it uh, a yeah. lot of the people who are working through sorry there's a hair 
on my face, <laughs> uh, who are working through you know topics in class like. they don't like, um, if they just don't like literature at all to begin with, and still nonetheless have to slog through all of it, uh, it's a hard experience. And you know, even though we have you know probably one of the best jobs on earth, in, in my <laughs> humble and personal opinion. Uh, yeah, definitely. We we still have some of those experiences, so we you know we make it a lot of a lot of fun and games here on OSP. But there's definitely uh, a, a knowledge within both Red and I uh, of of why we're doing the things we do to help people who are in those exact circumstances where it's just like, oh my god, I hate this, I hate everything about this, I just want it to end, and we try to be the lifeline in that circumstance. So yep, yeah, Heimline it does involve sometimes illustrative example. It does involve sometimes us kind of struggling through the, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this. But, you know, that mm -hmm. you get through that, and then on the other side, you now have a lifeline uh, that yeah. that's very helpful. So. Yeah. 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 So for me, Cold War was something that I very excitedly got the idea to do when I was kind of game planning my videos at the beginning of uh, the beginning of 2020. And actually, on one of the live streams, someone asked um, if there was like a video that I wanted to do, but I've been putting it off because it was too challenging. And uh, that was the point in the year when I basically realized that this video was going to be terrible. Because originally I was thinking, <laughs> oh yeah, a video of the modern world from 1945 to the year 2000. I can cover all of that. Uh, what could possibly uh, go wrong? <laughs> <Famous> <laughs> last words. Um, because it was like, oh, you know, it, it's the 75th anniversary of the end of World War II. That's like, it's so cool. I can make it like this big thing. Because uh, 2018 uh, in November was the 100-year anniversary of the end of World War I. Uh, so I thought like, oh, this can be so great. I can, I can do this thing. And then it was a mess because I have to talk about basically the entire world with the exception of South America. Whoops. God, um, but everywhere else, <laughs> everywhere else I was able to talk about. Uh, so it, it was just trying to create a through line was the hardest part of all of that because any one of those topics in isolation could have been a whole thing. There are entire channels that are devoted to the European theater of World War II, specifically the Western European theater of World War II, completely ignoring all the stuff the Soviets did, completely ignoring the Pacific. So for me to be like, yeah, let me just take the entire like after effects of the partition of Europe, uh, America reallocating all of the Pacific colonies and then sitting on Japan for seven years. And then I should probably tackle decolonization too. And then it just like, and then, and then, and then, and trying to create a clean narrative line through all of that. I think the comment that really spoke to me uh, were the ones that said, you know, that really should have been a dumpster fire. And it actually made sense, which kind of scares me a little bit. <laughs> and yeah. those were the comments that made me feel like I did a good job because even though it was such a nightmare and I basically fully skipped the, the 70s and 80s basically entirely, uh, just because I was like, nope, can't do it, sorry. Um, I feel big. like and ended up working out okay. Uh, and obviously it wasn't the most viewed video because it was a fairly heavy topic and it was a lot of like deep systemic analysis, but whew, that was uh, yeah. that was tough. I was, uh, I'm I definitely was a better historian much, uh, for it, but yeah. that was tough. <laughs> I think it was, uh, I think what you did um, was you basically gave people a top-down perspective on this very complicated yeah. situation. It was kind of like, this is happening while that was happening, this thing was happening over here, this yeah. combined with that to produce this, and that's the situation. I think that that's a very valuable thing, because like you said, like there are channels that devote their entire video base mm -hmm. to talking about individual parts of this, but you give them a roadmap so yeah. that when they're looking at those, they're like, ah, oh, that goes here, and that plays into this other stuff. Like, that's such a valuable perspective in history. I think that, um, and yeah. I, Thank you. I did think it was a little bit annoying that there were a lot of comments on that that were like, you left out this thing, and it's like, it's an entire 
It's the Cold War. <laughs> Do you know how much stuff and happened in the Cold War? Yeah, it's the Cold War would have been enough. I think it's a good idea example yeah. of a video Lord. that kind of like what you guys were talking about earlier, where you're trying to get people um, that roadmap into something. Right, this is what you just talked about. But basically, mm-hmm. you know, that top-down perspective uh, is sort of similar to what pretty much all of your videos are doing, but just on a massive massive scale compared to uh looking at just yeah. one section of the byzantines yeah. and how you could dive into more topics there because i feel like every video we get some comments yeah. that are like well you skipped over xyz or you did go into enough depth on blank but with this video yeah. um there's just so much more information yeah. that could really realistically what got me yeah what got me was the comments that said both sides of Blue was way too hard on communism, and blue was way too easy on communism, which clearly means that I did my job right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Nobody's I mean, happy. Some people, Woo! So, some people wanted me to give a little bit more nuance of an explanation of, like, how communism started as an ideology, and then what it was like with, you know, Lenin and uh, Trotsky, um, and then, you know, what Stalin did to it, but... That's not what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. The starting point was World War II. And by then, all that mattered was how does Stalin do it? And that was what was the starting point. Regardless of what, you know, I, I didn't talk about Adam Smith. I'm not talking about Marx. Uh, so that was one <laughs> point where people are like, mm-hmm, but no, I, I'm going to push back on that one because I, I feel like I, I, I did everyone a service by not trying to get too into the nitty gritty of the ideology because a lot of people already do that. I want to like help people understand why the British Empire fell apart, why the French Empire fell apart, uh, and then, you know, all the other stuff. So, yeah, Yeah. uh, (laughs) Yeah. it it was a mess. Uh, I'm glad I never have to do it again. Uh, If both sides are mad at you, then you probably did okay, falling somewhere in the middle. But speaking of both sides, our last category for this podcast is Blue and Red's favorite of each other's videos. So this is going to be Blue's pick of Red's Mm. videos for the year and Red's pick of Blue's videos for the year. Blue's favorite red video was Pride Tales, and Red's favorite blue video was History Hijinks Plague. Ooh, ominous. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Topical. These were, these were great videos. I feel like uh, I one of the reasons that I liked the Pride Tales so much was because it was basically in in format uh similar to the history hijinks that i've been doing this year yeah where it's just a, a handful of stories connected by a theme just able to sit in their own little space in a way that you know if if any one of those stories was just in isolation it would never work as a full channel video because they're each yeah, like under two minutes long it is it's way too short so i i really excuse me i'm drinking too much tea <laughs> uh, i really like this opportunity to take a bunch of different stories that really show the wide breadth, depth, and just pervasiveness throughout every culture of the different human experiences that are encapsulated by, you know, what Pride Month uh, means. So I thought it was really cool on a conceptual level, and obviously the stories themselves were were so great. Um, It goes without saying, but I, I, I liked how that video played out and what that video like stood for and meant in a way that not all of our videos have like a deeper mm-hmm. message to them. So I, I really like this one a lot yeah. for that reason. Yeah, I'm glad it went over so well. Uh, I I had a real tough time like really getting the stories for that one because um we, we were actually kind of talking about something like this the other night about how... um people have always had these lived experiences, but we haven't always had the words yeah. to describe them. So characters in, in, in stories and people throughout history, 
if you look at them through a modern lens and you analyze their lives and their behavior, sometimes you can come to a conclusion of like, oh, I think this person might have fit into what we now understand to be this category um, mm. because of the way they engage with the world and the people around them and stuff. But the words, maybe they existed, but they weren't quite understood to be this at the time or this yeah. category of human wasn't really recognized at the time, but we had other categories that maybe folded it in. And of course, looking through these stories and being like, ah, that is this modern thing. Like that's always a very risky play because it's, it doesn't necessarily always map cleanly. You know, your, your lived experience is on some level mm -hmm. formed by the society you're li you're living in. And if you are what we would now recognize as, for example, an orientation or a gender identity that at the time either wasn't recognized or was classified as some other thing that's going to inform how this person or this character existed and if you're trying to analyze it and just cleanly put somebody into one of like the letters uh that we understand now it's not going to work out so hot um yeah. i actually there's a myth that i didn't include in that video uh even though i could have because i genuinely couldn't figure out if it was too messy and it's the myth uh. of um Iphis and Ianthe. Mm. Uh, it's a Greek myth. It's in Ovid's Metamorphosis. And the short of it is, um, I think it's, I don't remember which is which. Broadly, one of the characters uh, is, she's born a girl and her father, for various reasons, was like, if I have any daughters, we're going to kill him. So uh, his, her mom is like, oh no, it's the son, totally, and raises this girl as a boy. Um, and she falls in love with this other woman. And uh, their marriage is arranged, but she's like, oh, this is a horrible abomination. Ovid has her spend two paragraphs talking about how messed up it is that she's in love with this woman. So that's fun. Uh, and then and that, uh, that's that's saying a lot for Ovid because the metamorphoses goes quickly. Caesar dies in the space of like three lines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he spends his sweet time on how how messed up yeah. the situation is and how tragic her life is. Uh, but on her wedding day, she is magically transformed into a man by uh, the uh, the interdiction of Isis, uh, the goddess, because Rome was big into Egypt and Ovid was Roman. Uh, yeah. And so she, so she turns into a man and she marries the woman and they live happily ever after in a very heterosexual way. And I was looking at this and I was like, this is very, very queer, but I can't decide how. <laughs> and I don't know if this will cause more problems than it solves yeah. if I include it, because it's like... There are so many different ways to read it. A lot of them are bad. And it was like, mm, I don't know. Uh, so I just kind of ended up not putting it yeah. in. Um, but that, that kind of illustrates how difficult this space of analysis is. Because it's like, it is not in question that these people have always existed. And that, that people mm -hmm. of all walks of life and all life experiences have always existed in every place and culture in the world. And it's more a matter of finding them than proving that they existed. Because it's like, yeah. come on, come on. Um but in a myth like this, it's like, you look at the social context, you look at Ovid's perspective on this. Uh, this uh, Ovid was the guy who was like really, he, he was like Sappho is like the 10th the muse, right? He was that I guy? I think so. Right, think so, so he was Probably. he was big into Sappho, but didn't really <laughs> like the lesbian thing. And it's like, all right, fine, whatever. <laughs> Ovid, you can sort out your own stuff on your own time. I just super knocked into my mic, I'm sorry. Um, but the, the point is like, it's just... It's a very weird space to explore, and I hope yeah. I did it justice in that video. I mean, the, most of the mad comments were people who I expected to be mad, so that part yeah, wasn't Yeah, for too the bad. reasons one would expect. And there, there's yeah. a difference in framing between, like, oh, 
this is a situation that we have the vocabulary to read as this, as opposed mm -hmm. to saying these people were this. And that's yeah. a very different mm -hmm. thing that you weren't doing the second one. I think you were, for the most part, letting the stories speak for themselves yeah. instead of trying to deliberately like categorize them as this is a story about this letter in the acronym because oh, that would boy. not have worked very yeah. well um I, be, yeah. because it, it it has existed as a spectrum through all of time so even though we have a very particular set of means by which we can describe this it is inaccurate to apply our vocabulary and our understanding to different situations in different cultures and i think the the explanation of icone um with uh, yeah. the, the story where, where Pele uh, buries her gaze. Um, I mm -hmm. think that was a good example of like, the lines are, are, are kind of uh, blurry of, of what we can classify as what. We, we can look at the story and see like, here's what happened, but um, it, it, it was definitely wise to not mm -hmm. try and, and do analysis on them and just present it as like, look, these are people. People have yeah. always been people. It's, yeah, I mean, obviously it's tricky. A part of what happens is th there are a lot of characters and people throughout history who you can look at and be like, there was something going on with them, but I'm not sure what. And oftentimes, uh, a lot of people in the modern day will look back and be like, I relate to this person. I, I see a lot of my experience reflected in them. And if two people from two different letters of the acronym, for instance, recognize that in the same person, sometimes there's actually conflict over, like, who gets to to relate to this person. Um, yeah. I a, a while back, I tweeted, because uh, there's sort of an argument in, in parts of the queer community over whether Artemis is ace rep or lesbian rep. And it's like, guys, it's... <sighs> You can't share, <laughs> um, but I do understand that it's like, okay, well, you can read Forswears Forever, The Company of Men a few different ways. And a lot of people look at this and are like, gosh, it'd be kind of nice to just have that option, just run off and live in the woods with a bunch of like feral women and <laughs> hang out with a hot goddess. It's like, that's for a lot of people, they'd like that experience. But, you know, sometimes common ground can look like a point of contention and I, I really didn't want to bring that up because th this video the whole point of it was like hey look people have always been people isn't that cool and awesome and yeah. amazing that that was the point I didn't want to start any flame wars in the comments um and I I think I think I mostly pulled it off and I, I'm really glad I think so, uh, I think so. You, you, did a, you did a really good job yeah. with this one and on the other end of things uh Plague Tales <laughs> I, I rewatched the other night it is so funny Indigo it has to have been you editing in that skull with the ominous sound effect uh, every we, time we it gets brought that up that sound right? every time that plague has come up yeah. since it's no it, it's a recurring I lost it <laughs> same so icon much. same sound effect the the one that got me that I cuz I mean we make a lot of videos every year. Uh, I had forgotten some of the bits, specifically where like the, the plague skull comes up once and then goes down and it comes back up in the corner again. That one surprised me. I'm like, ah, that was really funny. <laughs> so good. Um, no, yeah, yeah I, definitely. I, I, in the beginning, the, the first like minute and a half was just straight riffing oh, yeah. on, you know, on, on it being uh, ye merry 2020, uh, oh, as, as Bernadette Banner says. Um, I... Plague was the first of the History Hijinks video where I'm like, I'm just going to do a, a narrative through line. I'm just going to take a topic and just go for it. Because usually it's it's isolated stories. And I had originally tried to like think of it as like, I'm going to do different theaters of it. But then I realized I should just, just, just talk about it. So I, I tried to mix things up by not just doing like, oh, Venice and Genoa, rats on ships, and, and tried to 
look a little bit back at, at what the causes were with the Mongols coming west. And I, I kind of made a goof, uh, as I explained in, I think, a previous podcast mm-hmm. uh, or a live mm-hmm. stream. I, I, it's been a while. I don't recall. Um, but the historical consensus on uh, the the cause of plague arriving in Europe has largely moved on from the siege of Kaffa, catapults, uh, and, and dead bodies. And there are various other schools that are kind of currently like duking it out for for which one is going to be um most likely uh some say rats got into grain shipments which only got dispersed when they opened up the shipments in port uh and there are people who have basically argued that the catapulting dead bodies is uh a somewhat of a reference to uh the plague of athens and thucydides and a combination of a couple icky like Ooh, people from the east, they're not nice. We don't like them. We're going to use barbarian yeah. tropes on them to show how much we don't like them. So for various reasons, the story that I presented is actually a little bit out of date now, um, which is unfortunate because I usually try not to get on the hottest new historical research because I would rather be wrong because I'm out of date than wrong because I jumped on someone's unproven theory too early. But this is a case where I probably should have gone with the newer stuff. And for that, I apologize. And I'm sorry if I could make it again. I obviously would. Um, But uh, for all of the the things that I I feel like I really did well on that video with showing how plague sped up imperial turnover in China and in in the Byzantine Empire with the Ottomans, uh, that is Mm -hmm. the one thing that I was like, ah, nuts, I messed that up. So, oh well. Yeah. No, I think that video is great. And it overall gives a very good, like, top-down perspective again on um, this contentious time in history and uh, all that jazz, (laughs) all that that entailed. Um, the one thing that I am proud of was I, I I busted the Poland myth because some people are like, oh, yeah, Poland didn't get hit. It's like, of course they got hit. They had plague yeah, on every on. single side. And some, some people argue like, oh, you know, King Leopold, uh, or whatever his name was, uh, really liked cats. So the cats ate the rats and there was no plague. It's like, it was the yeah. fleas on the rats. So if the rats die... The fleas are still there. It's and maybe stupid. they go on the cats. You think cats are immune yeah. to fleas? So... <laughs> Yeah, so I, I that was one thing I was like I, I busted that myth, um, but yeah, yeah I it was just it was a very weird space, um, and obviously it was hilarious. Oh, uh, apparently, oh, yeah. it also, it also <laughs> but, came out right around yeah, that was, um, when the video. pandemic like really kicked into the public consciousness. I think I mean obviously it had been happening since March, but but this video came out pretty close to the beginning of like lockdowns, and at least in the U.S. for us, which we don't need to get into, but. Um, yeah, I think that kind of t- it was. Uh, no, it was July. Was it, July? it was like firmly oh, in the middle of it. Time is an yeah. illusion. Because yeah. I remember, yeah, I think the thing no, is like no. <laughs> early on in lockdowns, we were kind of like, oh boy, um, <laughs> what's the, what's things going to look like? Like, um, yeah. not to get too far off the video track, but I, I do remember that March and April felt really long Ooh. because it was like. Every day was kind of like, what's going to happen? Like, how bad is it? And what do we have to do? Mm -hmm. And are we okay? And how bad is it really? And then by by May, it was kind of like, well, new normal. Okay. And suddenly it's like, you know, but at least from our experience, I think, because we've talked about this. We work from home and pretty much have always. So this was not the biggest overhaul for our personal life arrangements i mean yeah obviously blue you've had some serious life developments this year but (laughs) most of them didn't really involve reworking much (laughs) in the span of a week in the span of literally one week i got engaged i moved in with cyan uh we went into lockdown and we got a cat uh those four things happened in the span of 
literally just one week. So for a while, it was hard to, like, detangle, like, what major change in my life was caused by which of those four <laughs> aspects. Because, like, my entire routine has changed. The place where I live has changed. The things I do on a daily basis has changed. And it's kind of a combination of all of them in a weird way. So, like, the jump between, like, early March and late March was, like, pff, complete new yeah. normal. In a very mm -hmm. short span yes. of time. Oof. Yeah. But then by the time we hit May, it was kind of more like... All right. Well, we've yeah. you know we've pretty much settled. We're we're keeping an eye on yeah. the numbers. We're checking in with and, our friends and family. But yeah, and and we've been that. very lucky that you know for the most part we have already been working from home for a few years, so we really didn't yep. have to adjust all that much. Um, and everybody went inside and started watching YouTube videos to stay entertained. <laughs> and then as the new semester started up in the fall, people are finding that it's really hard to do education exclusively online, especially with professors who have no idea what they're Oof. doing. And it's not Ugh. their fault. No. They were thrown no. into a situation. With basically zero training because all the schools were assuming oh it'll be fine and then like the week that school's supposed to start they're like ah crap we actually have to plan for this eventuality that we should have seen coming mm -hmm. a half year ago long story so i'm glad yeah. that not only you know we were able to be a, a a lifeline of entertainment and levity uh in the middle of this year um in the, the middle <laughs> the, the whole of this Look, year is... um, but also a a dearly needed source of like a, an educational like safety floaty thingy that they they have on boats um it's not a raft life ra rafts, rafts uh, are boat life shape. life life, life preserver life preserver the life ring life, life preserver life ring life yeah life preserver those yeah. things we were life one of donut. those but for learning um so anyway yeah uh, the <laughs> pandemic has definitely been weird but we've been very fortunate to be able to keep doing what we're doing and help people in a really like tangible way and i i, I yeah. know that the year has been pretty crap for a lot of people in many ways, oh, yeah. us included, um, but yep. we are, uh, we have been very fortunate to be able to keep doing what we're doing uh, with the thanks of our community of patrons, um, with thanks of everyone who's just been, been watching and, you know, uh, you know, helping us get the ad revenue uh, that keeps us doing what we're doing. And then for everyone mm. who bought pins this year, because oh, the, the pin sales were like the super surprise and I'm getting way off topic, but the <laughs> pin sales were like the super surprise thing that we never expected to, to be as great as it was. Uh, yeah, and suddenly that was insane. Like, oh, the money we made off of our first round of Artemis and Apollo pins was more than all of the sponsorships we had in 2019. Maybe we a, don't need yeah. to bother our audience with sponsorships anymore unless we actually really like the brands. And we've always been pretty exacting about our standards, but yeah. being able to be like, yeah, so we have, like, yeah. Lego uh, for the Coliseum, which is, uh -huh. like, absolutely no-brainer. But for, like, you know, obviously, you know, Squarespace nice. is a great service. Um, uh, the, the other, you know, products that we use are, are, are nice and, and we like them. That's why we sponsor them in the first place. But it's like, if we don't have to do that anymore... We won't do that anymore. We won't waste your time if we don't feel like it's, it's a worthwhile product that we use anyway. It's because, a, like, you know, with, we're with in the a very Volante lucky masks, position. Yeah, uh, with the Volante masks, with Lego, with World Anvil. It's just, if you catch us on a hot fire. mic long enough, we'll say nice things about them anyway. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. it's an yeah. Quill Magnus uh, Archives. So. The Lucky Brand Jeans sponsored spot that wasn't sponsored at all. <laughs> Again, we're not sponsored by Lucky Brand. Uh, if you want to DM us, we can talk. Um. <laughs> Big thanks to Lucky Brand for getting me, uh, for for allowing me to purchase these pants, uh, two sizes larger uh, than what I already wear. <laughs> so just in case the quarantine really takes its toll, I'll be ready. <laughs> well, but anyway, it pays to be prepared. 
long circuitous point to say that, you know, we are, are very thankful for all of you who've, who've stuck with us for this year to let yeah. us keep doing this amazing job that makes our, our lives feel so fulfilled. Uh, oh, but then yeah. also by, by you helping us, we are able to help other people in, in a tough spot, whether that's through just our videos or through the charity drives we're able to do. So um, just truly a big old thank you uh, for making this year um a whole lot better than it could have been yeah yeah we we owe yeah. a lot to the fan community um and speaking of owing a lot to yeah. the fan community they have some questions for us so we're going to transition on over to our q a portion of the podcast and if you are watching Woo! this on youtube be sure to stick around at the end of the q a because we're going to premiere a special little something for you but first a transition And welcome to the Q&A portion of this special bonus episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. All of the questions that you are hearing today come, as always, from our Discord on the Ask OS Pod channel. And this first question comes from one of our lovely patrons who help us make the extra content, keep the lights on, pay and go salary, and all the fun stuff that you've come to know and love in 2020, and hopefully will continue to love in 2021. Ooh. This first question comes from Lark. Which of your early videos are you proudest of and why? Ooh, that's None. a tricky one. <laughs> um, I, I basically have a running timer where it's anything that's over two years old. I'm like, oh, God, no, I'm, I'm causing so much harm by leaving that up. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I, I have similar feelings towards a lot of them. I mean, like with the old Shakespeare videos, I was using movie footage and I was using iMovie but like it was like crappy oh, old iMovie so all the videos incredibly compressed and um for me all of my old videos are just like a lot of like clip art things that I googled and just ripped off the front page and then all of the jokes only make sense if you already know the history so it's just truly bad mm -hmm. um the the video of mine that I think is good from the early let me just let me just pull up the osp website so i can scroll way to hell <laughs> everyone scrolls yeah, all the yeah, way to yeah. the beginning um please oh God, hold I can't. um hmm. i'm trying to think like early videos i mean like i i think i had a decent time doing the iliad i mean it was the first time i'd ever done an animated video and it was a hot mess uh and boy, the art. Ooh, boy. Um, but, you know, it was a learning experience. And I think most of the summary has held up. Although, like, mm -hmm. if I were doing it again today, there's a lot of things I would leave in and things I wouldn't bring up. Uh, like, the, I talked about a few things that, like, didn't actually happen in the text of the Iliad, but, like, happened after in the other lore. And it's mm -hmm. like, I, if I'm covering the Iliad, I'm going to cover the Iliad. I'm, I might only bring those things up as, as, like, cute little cameo jokes or whatever. Um but, you know, ultimately, I can bring myself to be proud of that one just because of the leap from doing no art to doing all art uh, yeah. was was kind of a it was a trial. I mean, I was using like I was using the bamboo Wacom tablet that I bought oh, with like a gift card that I'd won in an art contest in <laughs> high school. Uh, and I was like, I don't know. I, I was like, yeah, I could draw chibis. I've been reading all of those like uh what was it? Hi, I'm Daisy. All that like, hi, I'm Daisy, Metal Gear comics. So I totally know how to do a cartoon art style. Oh, God, I miss those comics so much. Um, <laughs> and it was just uh, and I was still at the uh, I was kind of doing a lot of like meme and like referential humor because like most of the most of the stuff that got me into YouTube in the first place were things like a bridge series uh, yes. where a lot of the comedy was referential and meme based. And so I kind of just absorbed that. And I've sort of tried to dial that back a little bit just because it's. I 
I'm of the opinion that any comedy you only get if you know something outside of the the joke is a little bit dicey. Like there, there's a lot of referential humor I don't get because for a while I had almost no knowledge of pop culture. So I I try to dial that back because I, I know that's only funny to a, a specific sub part of the audience. Whereas with the Iliad, I was like, what if I just gave Odysseus the voice of Solid Snake? <laughs> what could go wrong? That I mean, works. I still stand by no, that. that. I think works. it was hilarious. That still I, works. I, I think it's pure gold. I think it's uh, made on this channel. <laughs> I agree. I think that everything can be improved by the addition of the solid snake voice. Um, but, you know, that 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 doesn't mean I would do it again if I were doing this today. Um, it's interesting. You guys are kind of trying to sneak around. <laughs> you guys have sort of but flipped that. Thick. <laughs> because now uh, you're not necessarily referencing memes in your videos, but you're getting referenced on other, like, on r slash D&D memes and things. Like, you are the reference Oh, uh, It's yeah. kind of Honestly, that's so... <laughs> oh, actually, I, I wanted to. It, it's a very minor shout out, but there's a there's a channel, uh, Blue. I actually sent you a link to it a while back. I think it's called Sarcastic Chorus because uh, they did a video uh, yeah. talking about Blood of Zeus, and I was like curious about it. Um, and uh, <laughs> they reference us <laughs> um, because uh, he, he's like, now listen, I, I normally do like kind of snarky like media analysis, but I think today I'm going to branch out into discussing tropes, and it's like. <laughs> There's this little bit where he's like, uh, now I'm not at all trying to ape the style of this other channel, but he's doing it as like a little chibi figure kind of in our style. And he looks down at his own hands and yeah. he's like, oh, I'm screwed. And then he just goes back to the rest. I was like, oh my God, we're, we're memes now. We're, we're being referenced by other stuff. Yeah. So yeah, good stuff. It was also a really good video, so. <laughs> there, there's another video from uh, a friend of the channel, Emperor Tiger Star, who did uh, hmm. a video basically in the style of like the the armchair room, and it, it was very mm. funny. Uh, but uh, mm. as for like early video humor and memes and stuff, the thing that I I wish I didn't do was I changed the names of a lot of like people for funsies mm. to make their names like fun other things and like puns and stuff, which made it impossible to follow who anyone was or what anyone was doing. Oh, <laughs> but no. the video Definitely that might the curve. early video of mine that I will stand by, uh, even though I haven't watched it in a while, and that's probably why I still have fond memories of it, is the Alcibiades <laughs> video. Because yeah. it's just so it's like that for a lot of people was their first blue video, um, just because oh Alcibiades and you know yada yada yada. Oh so Henry Cavill with anime eyes, I was on board that train way before everyone else watched <laughs> The Witcher and got on it. So y'all need to get on my level. I've been on this for oh, years. Um, but anyway, that's probably the the early video of mine that I'm most proud of. Henry Cavill is so interesting to me appearance wise because it's like he's he's a very handsome person, but in a way that almost doesn't register as like what a real yeah. person can look like. <laughs> He's like, if someone took the handsome slider and cranked it all the way up and he everything's just a little... Like like Michelangelo has sculpted him out of marble and he's just come to life. <laughs> he does! That's, he does! A, he, he looks like a Renaissance statue. That's a really like great a, way to describe yeah. it. He just, he came to life. He got a Can't little bit of a, like, a more two. modern haircut. Oh man. oh, man, that armor. Oh, I could... Oh. That character design. That costume Henry design. Galatea Cavill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, good stuff. Well, All right, next question. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be here for oh, years. Oh, God, this name is so hard to read. Uh, I'm so sorry to all of our wonderful Discord users who have very complicated names. Uh, this question comes from Genos Wyman. To both, are there any philosophical notions that have helped you through tough times? If so, which? Um... Hmm. I, I've written about a couple different philosophies that have really struck me in uh, my, my book, Philosophical Fridays, Volumes 1 and 2. Uh, don't read it, it's not good. Uh, 
Dude, nobody's first book is good. It's fine. <laughs> I, I got those out of the way when I was for. in college. <laughs> I thought I was so smart when I wrote those. Now I know I'm an idiot. Oh, uh, very Socratic of me, which actually proves that I'm very smart. Um, <laughs> o- only high IQ big brain boys like me would know uh, would know that reference. Mm. Um, but uh, a, a philosophy that has helped me a lot is basically a, a unlikely combination of um, like light motifs from Zen Buddhism and uh, Roman era Stoicism, uh, both of which basically paint the picture of what we have to work with is basically all we've got. You know, the, the hand that we're dealt is the hand that we have to play. Um, you know, barring any extreme circumstances, there are no like nat 20 on your divine intervention checks and then someone's just going to come around and, and make your day better. So um, what we have to work with is all that we've got to work with and we can work to improve that and through our own efforts, we can make our lives better and through our perspectives, we can improve the way that we interact with the world. So like Stoic philosophy is basically uh, from Seneca and from Marcus Aurelius. Um, Mm. Seneca was a very rich Roman guy who basically had to live in constant fear that the emperor would just off him at any second for slightly disagreeing with him. Marcus Aurelius was the emperor, but he was always on campaign in Germania, and he was like, oh my god, I would rather be a slave than have all this responsibility. So um, basically both of those guys talked to the point of like, circumstances will always kind of be crap, but what you make of that is what matters because you're always going to fundamentally be in some variety of a crap situation. And obviously some people have it worse than others, but what you make of it is what matters. And it's not as overt in, in, in Eastern schools of philosophy, but the undercurrents are still there, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those schools of thought, I, I, I would say have, have been what's helped me get through those kinds of times. And I honestly haven't been thinking very f- philosophically through this year. I've just been kind of trying to get through it, yeah. um, mm-hmm. which I feel like speaks to the point of stoicism because it's not, an overtly philosophical school in the way that like Platonism or, or other, or other types of, of uh, modes are, it's just very in the moment in the trenches, get through it. And I feel like that's a philosophy that is, is very apt for, for 2020. I hope we don't need it as much in the next few years. Um, but it's, it's definitely a philosophy that gets it done, uh, which is why I, I like it a lot. Yeah. Um, I've got, I don't know that there's, there's a few things that have been bouncing around my head, especially this year. Um, the the core of my personal philosophy is very basic, um, and it, it's kind of got a lot in common with Buddhism, um, because I, I really think that guy was onto something. Uh, he he, he knew what was up. He figured it out. Yeah, he figured it out. Uh, like when when I was taught it, it was the it was the whole moderation in all things, uh, and mm-hmm. I, I'll admit. Didn't really get that part so much, but once I was like, oh, wait, this is why they say moderation in all things. I was like, I get it. And it was yeah. just the, that the fundamental idea is to be happy, to to be happy when you live and, and stuff like that. Like, you know, moderation in all things is just because indulging in excess is often makes you unhappy. So the yeah. idea is, okay, you pull that back. You don't, you don't do an excess of this. You don't do an excess of that. You do moderation things and then you're happy. Yeah. You're, you're not making yourself miserable, like, but ultimately want is the cause but, of suffering is, is right. the whole idea. Yeah. But ultimately the core, the core motivation at its most basic is just that you should try to live in a way that makes you happy. And I mm-hmm. think that while this is the most basic concept in the world, it's a surprisingly difficult one to get a handle on because like yeah. so many there are so many like other 
Okay, sorry. To, to, co to contextualize, I sometimes have difficulty conceiving of worldviews that are so fundamentally different from my own at the most basic level. So I often am blindsided by the fact that there are people who have philosophies where their own happiness doesn't factor into it at all. Uh, and that surprises me because I don't see the point. Um, because my, my general attitude towards life and existence is um, what is creatively called optimistic nihilism. Uh, Broadly, the concept that, yeah, yeah, this is all you get. The universe is a fundamentally large, often cold, and fundamentally uncaring place. And your existence as you have it is all that you have and all you can rely on to have. Um, which means the the natural and reasonable thing to do is to try and be happy in that time. And to, to make other people happy and to be happy yourself. And if nothing yeah. else matters nothing else matters so the only thing that matters is trying to live in a way that makes you happy like all the other yeah. stuff it's just gravy um yeah. and and there are so many things that just try and like oh it, you, you must live to try and become like great and world shaping it's like will that make you happy because if it won't make you happy then you'll probably feel like you wasted that time um yeah and that that's ultimately my my whole concept and you know what this means is that like on the large scale you try and find a pursuit that you can do that you enjoy that that fulfills you i mean this all of this stuff that we do i really really enjoy it on a very basic yeah. level the comic making that finally oh that makes me so happy and that's <laughs> that's what's important to me but even on like the small scale it's like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna drink this delicious hot cocoa i made because that makes me happy i'm gonna sit outside mm. and look at the stars socially distanced from everybody because that makes me happy in the moment and yeah and i'm going to you know talk to my friends because they make me happy and and ultimately that's that's the metric that i think is the only one that matters because if fun, fundamentally you cannot really know or prove that there is anything outside of your individual existence and your individual experience mm -hmm. even on the smallest scale the only thing you can know Okay, sorry. There, there's a level to which you can never know that anything is real. There, there's like a whole branch of philosophy about that. I don't really think it's yes. worth very much. But but ultimately... Descartes, uh, it, it starts and ends with the only thing that I can fully know is that I am thinking. Therefore, my mind exists right. to my mind. Um, right. And that's all that matters. Whether or not I'm in a matrix simulation, I can think. And those thoughts are real. And ultimately... The, the, the attitude that I've developed, and I actually found that this kind of helped me uh, with some anxiety that I've been dealing with. Uh, ultimately, in each individual moment, the only thing that matters to you are the things that are immediately present and immediately affecting you. Like your immediate surroundings, the people you're around, all that stuff. Anything beyond that, anything in the hypothetical, in the future, none of that is real yet. Or to you, functionally. Which can really help ground you if you're worrying about, for instance, some kind of nebulous, dreadful situation that you're worried about affecting you in the future. No you know idea that kind what of thing. Like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What could that possibly be like? Oh, no. But like, even just broadly, like anxiety and paranoia and concern about that kind of thing. Ultimately, it can really help to sort of center in on yourself and be like, ultimately, the only thing that I know is real is everything that I can immediately perceive and how I feel about that. And I can optimize that and very little else, so may as well give that a shot. And then, you know, if you set your end goal, uh, not even, sorry, not even setting an end goal. End goals are often tricky because your end goal can be happiness and then everything you do on the way just makes you miserable and that's not worth it. The, the trick mm -hmm. is to take care of yourself, cultivate a way for you to live that makes you happy as best you can and roll with the punches and um, be careful and don't go outside. I know. Yeah. This is tricky. I, I'm like, yeah, be happy. But there's a lot of things this year where people are like, oh, staying inside makes me unhappy. And it's like, yeah, but it also makes you not dead and not 
making other people dead. So yeah. ultimately yeah. that's I, worth more in the happiness yeah. department. I, I, I might find a different way to phrase it just because of the idea of like the future isn't real. Oh, then there are no consequences, which is obviously not what you're saying. <laughs> no, um, no, 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 no. <laughs> but I, the way that I have, I have seen it put and have somewhat put it myself is that uh, there is no cosmic scaffolding around mm. you and life is only what you make of it. So for, for better and worse, you know, whatever situation you're in, whether you're a Roman emperor having a terrible time or your average person in 2020 having a terrible, having a terrible time, time. <laughs> um, there is no cosmic scaffolding that's going to magically deus ex your way into things being better. So life is going to be what you make of it and you have to rely on yourself and the things that that you cultivate in your life to bring you happiness you can't rely on other external things like you know like basic wants and like hedonistic impulses to make you happy because those are those are transient and fleeting and they can bring you mm -hmm. a little bit of joy but it is not fundamental deep meaningful happiness and that's a very different thing that i feel like a lot of people miss um yeah so yeah I, it's I, not I, moment to moment joy or whatever it's it's happiness we, happiness is yeah, like a, we, we, an absence of discomfort yeah, it, happiness is is joy with meaning, uh, and I, I feel like uh, doing things that cultivate that um, is what my philosophy would probably be, and that's and what I, has been getting me through 2020. <laughs> I will also say on a practical scale, uh, it can be kind of difficult to be like, oh, yes, I want to cultivate happiness. What makes me happy? Uh, hedonistic joyful impulses? That like that That's a problem. But the thing is, like... Line, line. In my... <laughs> Christ. <laughs> In my experience, pursuing happiness it often starts with removing the things that make you unhappy. Um, like just that, that, that can be a lot easier to diagnose than finding what will make you fundamentally existentially happy. Like, you know, if you sat me down at age 12 and was like, what do you think will be the most fulfilling thing you do in your life? I wouldn't have thought, you know, oh, YouTube and comics. It's like, that wasn't even on my radar. I was like, I don't know, maybe I want to be an adventurer, explorer, architecture, whatever. Um, it's... Ultimately, it's about recognizing the things that are making you unhappy and finding ways around them um, or or, you know, learning to live with the things you can't change and then changing the things that you can. So like right now, not a lot we can do about all the other stuff, but there are ways that we can be happy in the smaller scale in the moment. Yeah. And mm -hmm. when this passes and it is no longer a constant source of unhappiness. We can go on to yeah. other things. Yeah. Um, and just because we can't fix the pandemic doesn't mean that we can't do our part by staying home and staying yeah. safe. And also yeah, exactly. by doing our part to help others, whether it's through charity or through making videos. So, you know, working on the scale that you can to affect positive change is mm -hmm. a, a good place to start. So anyway, yeah, definitely. Let's, and, uh, let, let's move on. Next question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, this next question comes from Spark. To everyone, 2020 has been a crazy year. Instead of focusing on the negatives, what are your most positive experiences from this year? I got engaged. Yeah, congratulations, <laughs> yeah, I think Blue that kind of takes it. I am. Like... I'm so excited for that. And I got a yeah. cat. That, that that's, yeah. that's different. Related, but different. <laughs> Those are probably the two for me. Yeah. Yep. Um. Ah, oh, this is <laughs> this long silence is kind of depressing. Um. My year has been pretty um, monotonous in a lot of ways, and that's kind of been deliberate. I, I, I've been trying to keep things well-structured, and, and not a lot has really um, happened exactly. Although, I will say I've, uh, I've picked up a pretty serious stargazing habit because I've been stuck indoors a lot, uh, and I'm already fairly nocturnal, so this is just an easy way for me to chill and um, calm down. And I was given a telescope for Hanukkah by my parents. Uh, 
So that's seriously helped with that. And I've had some very, very calm nights just outside looking up at the sky, pondering my place in the infinite um, through a very nice telescope now. So I've just had some very soothing moments because of that, I guess. Like I haven't had any really big, awesome developments. It's been 2020. I haven't really had that many options. Um, Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. I think on my end, I've just been trying to like see the positive in what's happening and not focus on so much of what's gone wrong with it because I I graduated college Mm. this year. So I had very fun experience of in the spring being like, oh my God, I don't have to do education anymore. But also my job is kind of doing education on the side. Um, But uh, this was also the year I started (laughs) editing for you guys. Uh, We started the podcast, which has been awesome. This has been like a long time uh, dream of mine to actually have a show going. So this is amazing on so many levels thank you guys for picking up that pitch we are so glad that not only you 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 pitched it to us despite um uh many months of us trashing the concept (laughs) entirely that you had the courage to pitch it to us regardless but um that you you ran with this concept uh with such tenacity and just absolutely went for it and the results are so abundantly clear that this was an absolute hit and that Heck it was yeah. a great idea that we did this so i feel like um for for anyone who is a fan of uh this whole podcasty business that we got going on um uh please direct all your compliments to indigo because oh, uh, she's the reason that uh <laughs> this is happening right now definitely yeah well, we've learned the way to get osp to do things is to have them trash it in multiple streams and then get someone else to go listen to those streams again uh as just a general roadmap to getting topics done the, um the, the clips that we used for the like oh we hate podcasts promo for the podcast was from like a week or two before we agreed to do the podcast. Yeah, while I was yeah, editing, it wasn't the, a very long turnaround. <laughs> the Ghost of Tsushima highlights that I, I so what we did for that is I sent selects to Red, and then she picked which ones um, she wanted to animate. Uh, I also made a little sub timeline of those where I just put everything you guys said about podcasts into, uh, just in case we needed them later on. And you know what? Brilliant. That's prep, baby. Oops. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I think it's been a, it hasn't been a good year, but there's been a lot of good things that have happened within it. And I think that it's yeah. setting us up for a, a better 2021. Um, yeah. This next question comes from, I want my money to both. How do you choose what subject you do next? I'm just imagining a giant dartboard and a crossbow, but that's me. <laughs> I, it, 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 some of it is, is planning things out in advance and trying to like, not linger in one corner of of the world uh too long obviously we have our schedules of like you know one myth one trope talk one myth one trope talk uh in my case like one history summarized (laughs) per history makers and then a history summarized then a history hijinks then history um so we have that kind of like loose schedule that that guides us but um i don't know about you red but for me at least a lot of my my earlier videos were just working from what i was learning in school because i was doing a you know classics degree um so i was working with the things that i had direct experience to because i didn't have the time to research shows um so i was just working from what i had uh but now obviously i have the time to research i can go farther afield so um sometimes i like i just see something you know in my life that makes me think oh I wonder what's going on with that. And then I, I, I do like a cursory Google and I'm like, oh, that's actually pretty cool. Um, and then I, I think like, oh, I, I can write that in. Or sometimes one video will, will open up a topic for another video. So when I was doing the Viking Age um, for 
the the lead up to Assassin's Creed Valhalla, uh, I got an idea for a video that's the Dark Ages and explaining why they weren't very dark at all. Uh, so that was brought out of uh, an idea that I thought this would be really good, but I can't really hit it here. I'm gonna I'm gonna split this off into another video. Um, so it kind of it builds out like a web in some ways. So I, I kind of have like a few series running at any given time, and and from those. I like kind of split off into various directions. And then sometimes I really just do like throw a dart in a map and think like, all right, let's go. Yeah, Meiji restoration. Let's let, let's check out what's going on over there. 1800s Japan. Let's do it. Why not? Um, and there's no real like genesis or starting point of why I chose that. It just kind of like one day I was like, yeah, that's cool. I want to do that. And then I just marked it in the schedule and off it goes. Yeah, it's kind of similar for me. I have a, a list of scripts I have in progress, um, and basically the the stages along. How, how done they are uh and usually okay for preface i work on things a lot at a time i usually have a lot of scripts partially in progress i have several trope talks that are basically just in the note stage where i've just gone through and written down my first initial thoughts on like this topic and a show that i saw it in and other stuff about that um and i'll also have some notes on various myths i'll sit down and do a few hours of research and write up a quick write down of like here's what happens just linearly and then I'll go through and turn that into a script later and oftentimes I decide what's going up next based on which of those the mood has struck me to finish and record and turn into a video um, and I'll also often be working on multiple actual videos at a time so sometimes it's which of them I finish <laughs> in time sometimes yeah. it's seasonal uh, I've actually uh, the, the myths I have planned for January and February are both uh sort of in the spirit of the season and I kind of set them up for that specific time frame even though both of them are a little bit on the long side because I wanted them to have that thematic appropriateness and it, it mm. wouldn't really work if I'd waited for uh, yeah. a while so sometimes it's that uh, I feel like this question is a little hard to answer because it's kind of in the same space of like where do you get your ideas from and it's like my, <laughs> yeah. my brain vomits them up sometimes <laughs> it's how ideas yeah. work um do you yeah. two coordinate your schedules much between like video topics, or is it mostly uh, blue chooses all of blue's videos and red chooses all of red's videos? And you don't, like how much overlap I mean, is there in that planning? We, eh, I mean, we'll like tell each other what we're working on. Yeah, uh, exactly. Like we we always yeah. know what the other one has, but I yeah. I have a list of like eighty video topics that I think I want to get to eventually, but I don't need. Red doesn't need to know all of those. <laughs> she only needs to know about which ones I have scheduled. Yeah, um, right. So, you know, I, I've built out, like, a, a loose timeline that goes until, like, August or so. And that's, like, obviously it's subject to change. I move things around, and when, when it's relevant, I, you know, Red, I tell you. Um, yep. But we don't usually think, like, oh, well... I have a video on ancient Rome, and you have a video on Roman mythology, so one of us has to go home and change. Uh, it's, not, it's not like that. Right. No, not so much. Or other way around, it's not like, okay, if you do Rome, and then I'd also do Rome, we'll have like a double Rome feature. It's like, we don't really do yeah. that. Not so much, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes we have like neat things where there is kind of an overlap, but those are usually accidental, or incidental. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Luck of the draw on that one. All right, well... We wouldn't be an overly sarcastic podcast, and it would not be a very special episode of the overly sarcastic podcast if we did not talk about the time heist. So this last question <laughs> is, of course, about the ever-loving uh, OSP time heist from Noctum Sanguis. Sanguis? Sanguis? For both, in the hypothetical OSP time heist movie, who would you want to play yourselves? Would you play yourselves? Would you want to play the other? 
That's cast if I don't at least blue. ask for Henry Cavill, I've failed. <laughs> okay, you get Henry Cavill. I want Dwayne the Rock Johnson <laughs> in a wig. <laughs> I want a wig. <laughs> The thing is, for Red, that could be any single one of the women who's ever appeared on OSP. We could just all trade out playing one single female character. (laughs) Or just Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Cyan is Indigo is Red. (laughs) Just just to make things even more confusing. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, No, I'm going to stand by my answer. I can't think of a... uh, (laughs) <laughs> I can't think of a better person fit to to play to portray my essence on the screen. Um, I'm just or imagining. Jack Black. I will also accept Jack Black, but they have to also wear the wig. Yes, it's just that. Oh um, my gosh. Here's, here's he was my... tra- Jumanji was training. He was yeah. ready for this. Here, okay, here's the option. Here's the other option. Jack Black is doing all the face scenes, but Dwayne the Rock Johnson does all the stunts. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's really obvious. I love this idea. That's amazing. I'm, I'm standing by it forever. It's, it's just the Ember Island players version of Red and Blue. You know, it's just your top is yeah. just a burly guy in a wig. <laughs> Red is just Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> and Blue is Henry oh, Cavill, so obviously. Oh, um, that is not Match. up for discussion. If we don't get I, him, the movie's off. <laughs> the, uh, slight tangent. Uh, one of the Greens uh, has described me as... Uh, the face of Disney's Hercules and the body of the first 15 <laughs> minutes of Disney's Hercules. <laughs> oh, that's so cruel. I mean, and if that ain't the truth. So right. That's, no, you look fine. No, you're a very handsome young I look man. fine. It doesn't mean he's wrong. <laughs> I mean, I guess. You know when your friends just like clock you on site and you're like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's a real hit to the old self-esteem, uh. but you're also fundamentally correct. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. exactly. Oh, when I was younger, people were compa- were uh, comparing me to Hermione a lot. Even before the movies came out uh, mm. and the casting happened, just the description of her in the books, people were like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And then when the movies came out, it was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And then uh, she gradually grew to be significantly hotter than me. <laughs> and uh, the comparison stopped, but I was just kind of happy to be there. I was like, wow, yeah, she looks really nice. Yeah. Um, when I was younger, people always told me I looked like I could be Taylor Lautner's cousin, which was confusing on multiple levels. So I'm like, hmm. what a weird decision you've made to make someone the cousin of a celebrity. Why would you not just tell someone they look like a different celebrity? Why the yeah. degree yeah, of separation? Come on, man. That was my like third grade lunch table woes. Um, <laughs> Beautiful. Wonderful. Oh, gosh. Well, this has been a wonderful episode. Thank you, Red and Blue, for coming along on this bonus journey through 2020 and into yeah. 2021. Thank, to all, thank you yeah. to all of the listeners out there who have made this possible. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And be sure to tune in at our regular time, same bat time, same bat channel. This is not a normal episode. We have another OS Pod episode coming up. Yeah, thank you guys so much for watching again, and we'll see you all next week. Hello, Indigo here. Thanks for listening to this very special bonus episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We'll be back on January 6th with a regularly scheduled episode, so stay tuned. If you want to peep that special premiere, spoiler alert, it is a new channel trailer, head on over to OSP on YouTube for that and much, much more. If you have questions for the podcast, be sure to check out our Ask OSPod channel on Discord. As always, links in the description below. Happy New Year from all of us here at OSP.